Hey, this is Keith. Or some actor playing Keith, I'm not really sure anymore. But um, we're coming to the end. The end of my Los Angeles con spree. But before I leave, I have some scores to set and discover a couple truths to be revealed. It's all going to come down to the season finale of Rideshare Episode X. It's going to drop on December 3rd. Now, until then, I want you to catch up by binge listening the first season. And I suggest that you do exactly as I say. Or you're going to miss all the fun. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's Breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. He never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe Buddy, and welcome back to episode nine of your favorite G.I. Joe podcast show. I nailed that one, Chan. Maybe you could put the episode after you say welcome back to the podcast because you're saying welcome back to this episode. Well, they could be listening to it for a second time. How many people do you think are actually doing that? Besides me. Ray. I, I, Ray. I do it. Ray. This is knowing is half the podcast. The G.I. Joe Recap Show. My name is Ray Stacanis. I'm Robert Chan. I'm Gina Bolita. And we have a whole episode to talk about here. This is episode nine, Cobra Stops the World. Honestly, I'm going to say that we don't have a whole episode to talk about. Yeah. This is a pretty... I concur. Boring ass. Cobra stops my interest. (laughs) Spoiler alert. This one was tough to get through. Cobra makes me stop caring. That's going to be the name of the episode. This is a pretty awful episode and this is me saying it who mm-hmm. loves all of it i got halfway through this episode and i just said to myself i am not enjoying this at all no this felt like episode that had been left on the cutting room floor from other episodes that right. they were like slap it together and try and make it make sense or more what it feels like is because you've, you've got your basically you've got your uh, uh flint lady J dyad there You've got your Duke Scarlet dyad over here. Correct. Basically, they're sort of the leaders of their respective, you know, whatever. Uh, There's an uh, A team and a B team. Yeah. Um, and I always thought that uh, it was Flint and Lady J that were the B team, but. They kind of are. Know. I mean, Duke has got a command position above Flint. Okay. And Scarlet's definitely oh. in a, a place above Lady J. But it's. I think that Flint and Lady J are more interesting characters than Duke and Scarlet are. Well, we so haven't we spend more seen, time with them. Uh, we haven't seen Scarlet or Duke in a long time. Yeah, they were really the stars of the first couple of miniseries of the Mass Effect and the Weather Dominator, and even the Pyramid of Darkness to a point. But you're right, we haven't in this trip so far. Scarlet and Duke have kind of been backseat players. Well, and here's my thing: this f- episode feels like an episode one. It feel. I, I, I'm guessing because we didn't watch the first. Ten episodes. We started with uh, uh, the beginning of uh, the return, the, the pyramid of adventures. darkness. Yep, right, and that felt like an episode one. I'm betting those first two miniseries also had something that felt like an episode one. This feels like they, I mean, it feels like probably at the beginning they were like, let's let's uh, write a pilot, yeah, but just just get a couple of pilots in the can just so we can feel, feel this out, feel the characters out, sure. figure it out. And so they had a bunch of scripts laying around, or like. 
you know what, let's just make this. I mean, make a couple tweaks so that like it sort of fits in continuity, but basically it feels like a lot of introing kind of stuff and you know or, yeah and the basic the very basic version of the competent almost uh cobra commander uh and destro in the in that the, like they're not making bonkers mistakes they're making uh, a I don't know character about that. Based. <laughs> I think they're, making they're making a lot of mistakes in this episode character based mistakes this was sure. someone's spec script that they mailed in and the writers were like oh what we can just someone just sends up us scripts. Let's make it. Then we can go to the buffet. We can spend all day at the buffet. <laughs> all you can eat uh, sushi and egg rolls. I'm in. <laughs> and orange chicken. I decided it was a Chinese buffet. And yes, they're eating orange chicken. You realize sushi is Japanese, not Chinese. Yeah, but at the Chinese all you can eat buffets, they often have all you can eat sushi there as well, Jan. Ooh, you should the go- good ones. That. It's awesome. You guys. Chinese buffet. You got to check it out if you haven't. You gone. should avoid the sushi at the Chinese buffet. One hundred percent. Yeah, but I like the Aryan sushi, as you like to say, the one with Philadelphia cream cheese in it. That <laughs> stuff is great. Oh. <laughs> so the episode opens. Uh, it's style, everybody. Cobra style. There's a giant cobra symbol, and it's a white background. And Cobra Commander is like posing, and then coming down the 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 you know the stairway. Like it's a Marilyn Monroe, a Diamonds Are Forever number, mm-hmm. or Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friends. I love it, love it, love it. And uh, it seems to me at this point in the uh, ad, because we open with Cobra threatening the world saying, we've already destroyed the Alaskan pipeline. We've already mm-hmm. taken out all the oil fields in the yeah. Middle East. When did this happen? Off screen. <laughs> yeah. So and they for- left out the most exciting parts. Yes. For a moment, I was <laughs> yes. like... Did we skip an episode and this is... That's like what I... I honestly, of- I went back and checked the link like three times because I was like, this yeah. can't possibly be the episode I'm supposed to be watching. Because that actually would have been a great opening. Yes. To like yes, recap, yeah. recap without being like, on the last episode. Yeah. yeah. Organic. But I not just that. that. This could have also been after like the first commercial break. Yeah. We could have just seen that in the first... And it would have made way more sense than what they ended up doing. The mm-hmm. first thing of any note in this episode is when uh, Cobra Commander gets really excited because he's he's seen a little bit of victory. And then Destro says Destro does not celebrate until his wars are won, which made me think, oh, basically Destro never celebrates. He's never celebrated a day in his life. Because he's (laughs) never won a war. He's basically like a Jehovah's Witness who never celebrates their birthday. (laughs) That's Destro. (laughs) Um, There's one weird moment Uh, in the TV commercial, though. Yes? Oh, yeah. No, we skipped by a bunch of stuff. Well, I was just saying that's the the first thing that was even mildly (laughs) interesting to me. The one point from his TV (laughs) commercial where he's like threatening the world like Cobra Commander does. Uh And and he he shows a picture of his own uh, Cobra base in the middle of the ocean and all the rocks with a giant snake head on top in the threat. And then he starts blowing up these tankers, which in theory have all the oil left in the world. If I'm to like read into it. Five tankers. Five tankers. All the oil in the world. Because later it becomes more tankers. But then it's just so bizarre because he says, I'm going to make them disappear. And then like Destro's machine like makes them disappear. But it's like a David Copperfield trick. Like they're just made invisible. And then we cut right to Scarlet being like, they're not really destroyed. What was the point of any of that narratively then? <laughs> if you're not even fooled a little bit. Yeah, I will say that... <laughs> <laughs> None of that makes any sense. Um, the first thing I wrote down was that Sparks seems so sad. He's a when, sad man. Uh, when, they, when he finds out that Cobra's bounced a transmission off a satellite. <laughs> I can't trace it. I can't trace it. 
It's like, his one job. It's the one thing he's, he's there to he's, do. He's become obsolete at this point. <laughs> and, and I would say we, we have a lot of like pairings on G.I. Joe, right? A lot of stuff happens in teams. So uh-huh. You have Shipwreck and Snake Eyes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Air Titan, Rakondo. You've got uh, my other favorites, uh, Bazooka and Alpine. And then sure, you've sure. got the power team of Colonel Sharp and I mean, Sparks. You could have put Breaker in with Sparks. It oh. seems like both those guys would have something to contribute just to one another. Two of the least nope. interesting characters in the entire G.I. Joe universe. Let's just pair them together and make them just... Do nothing for I an entire episode. I didn't even bother to write their names down. <laughs> no, I, I, I try and write their names down when they say them so I can keep them straight because I can't tell the difference. I didn't even I care. No sparks or breaker. I didn't um, even care. I would say that, uh, like, to add to the uh, the sadness of sparks, he doesn't even get to take his backpack off when he's in the base. <laughs> That's right. I didn't Aww. even think about that. Sitting in his chair, like in front of a computer. Man, take it off. It's fine. Yeah. There's a bigger radio there. Plus, he's going to have some serious spine problems when he gets older. Yeah. Better not send definitely. that guy to space, am I right? Yeah, bone well, density. Well, no, definitely put him into space because otherwise that the weight of that thing is going to crush him. <laughs> That's another good point. It's another good point. So I just, how, how does, to our point that maybe there was a whole episode that happened that we missed, how does Scarlet even know this? We just cut to her on a bike on the freeway, driving down, being like, tuning in, what Cobra Commander is saying is bullshit. <laughs> it's straight bullshit, and I know, and I'm Scarlet, and I'm going into town, and I'm going to start crushing people. Just tell me where to go. I have no answers for it's, any of this. Why I, is cloaking the final victory? But, uh, how is that? Great question. What? How? What? How did that? Te- I mean, we had the technology to dominate the weather. We were blowing up satellites with lasers, and yet somehow cloaking is going to be the thing that takes over the entire world. Not even cloaking. Not even cloaking their own shit. Yeah, they're cloaking uh, tankers that were not that hard to spot. Again. Uh, if you're trying to be covert and stuff, like use it, use it on on things that would be a good idea to hide, like yourselves or fruit. Or fr- why would you want to hide fruit? Or fruit? I don't know. Sometimes there's a lot of there's some good fruit, and like you're like I'm gonna come back for that peach later, and you do, and it's gone. I mean, I feel like this is a continuation about- of our earlier conversation about brownie bites, where I told you you need to stock up on the brownie bites. Uh, rather than just eating them first off. And, we'll like, see if I had a cloaking device, that would work. Right. Don't you have a desk? You could put it in the drawer. I mean, I want a cloaking device to hide all my food so that no one knows. Like, what if some cleaning crew person opens my drawer and they're like, oh my God, what a fucking fatty. <laughs> She's hiding well, all these don't brownie leave, bites. You don't leave them in there overnight, for heaven's sake. I'm going to do her a favor <laughs> and eat all her brownie bites. <laughs> you have too many rules for my hidden foods, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, your use of the uh, hidden device, already better than what Cobra was doing. I'm just saying. 100%. <laughs> I'm on board with what you're doing. I just I don't even understand what this plan is. They've already destroyed nearly as I could tell because I actually looked this up. Uh, uh, all the tankers have the oil from South America, okay? Right. Uh, what percentage of the oil in the United States do you think is imported from South America? A fair amount comes from Venezuela, I believe. I, I was going to say maybe 12%. Uh, it's about some, 10%. Okay. 10% comes from Brazil and Venezuela and Colombia. Okay. Mostly Venezuela, though. Like 8% of that comes from Venezuela. Mm-hmm. We get a lot from Mexico. You know, Canada, I, just real talk, Canada is the number one uh, importer uh, uh, that we have for uh, oil. Wait a minute. They export oil that to we us, import? To us, 60% oh. of American oil is from Canada. I learned oh. that. I, and now you did. The more you know. So they're doing us a lot of good solids. Maple syrup and gas. I don't think. Yeah, but then they gave us Nickelback. Which that's, almost that's takes the whole true. thing away. Oh. So the whole plan for Cobra 
is they destroy. I just I'm trying to wrap my head around it because they destroy all the oil in the world except for South America's oil, uh-huh. which is now all of it somehow on tankers. Mm-hmm. Just all of it's on tankers. Mm-hmm. And these tankers don't even know that they're not still going to the place they're going because they're cloaked. But to them, they must look like they're still normal. Mm-hmm. You don't just like be like, am I dead? Because I just everything just turned invisible, but I can still see the ocean. Well, I'm pretty sure they were hijacked. You think? Because then he blows them up. Why would he blow up his own people? Well, I mean, obviously, you'd get them off the boat first. Or he doesn't really care about his own people. He might have just sent underlings and then blown them up. Yeah, snakelings. Snakelings. The snakelings out. (laughs) I just, this is, of all the G.I. Joes we've seen, and we saw the Red Rocket episode, I mean, the Pyramid of Darkness, this is easily the worst plan Cobra Commander had, the least thought through plan Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. And as we go through the episode, we'll see, it doesn't get better. I, I... Stop paying attention about 30 seconds in. <laughs> but I do know I'm going to I'm jumping ahead. Maybe please again. do at about five minutes and 50 seconds in a guy makes a noise <laughs> and it's supposed to be that he's scared, but it sounds like a little boy getting ready to throw a tantrum. Uh, Chan, do we have that queued up? Good Lord. I have no idea what that- <laughs> five minutes and 50 seconds. Ugh. Uh, what is that? <laughs> yeah, in my note, in my notes, I I didn't know how to transliterate that. I did write U G H UG. So, and we get to really hit the B teams of the power teams on this. That's terrible. Uh, so we get to torpedo and deep six, our two aquatic underwater experts. See, why didn't you team up Breaker and Sparks the same way? Would have made sense. Again, you, this is and this is a theme in this episode. Young guy paired with the older guy. Deep six is the he's he's like straight up like an old Jewish man, right? I think he's I think he's on the spectrum and has trouble relating to people. <laughs> That's what it seems sure. to me. That makes sense. I, I guess I just hear keep saying, I guess the kid, he got it done. Could <laughs> the be worse, could be better. He's a comedian. Uh, but even like when he, like it's, or it sounds like he's he's Frankenstein's monster who's like a little bit further along than when we saw him at the end of Frankenstein. I literally wrote Sonic Rifles dash Frankenstein. <laughs> so he's because like a he year prep school. He says, don't like loud, I don't like loud noises. And what's the point of shooting that at him anyway when he can just walk through the beam and take <laughs> yeah. it from you? Which, by the way, he, he then punches their face masks while they're underwater, which mm-hmm. if it doesn't kill them, mm-hmm. they're going to have to surface so fast that they're definitely getting the bends. Correct. Yep. Correct. So he has no... He, he's, he's a loose cannon. <laughs> and you, you know what weapons you, you, you know, that you can't do that with? Harpoons. <laughs> How about they shoot the eel uh, troopers from Cobra, shoot harpoons at them, puncture their suits, and give them the bends? I'll put it out there. Like have, It's just so bizarre to me. Have you ever tried to hit somebody underwater as well? Oh yeah, like to to have yes. the strength he's, and speed to be able to crack oh, there. That's a good point. Yeah. Maybe he's shooting it at the same time, so he gets the power from. No, the it's Sonic. the it's the trying to give him credit. But it's of it, not working. Uh, and how terrible is this base's defense? It's a giant oil rig sized city of Cobra and two dudes and a shark destroy the. They have no defense for with, one shark with a spear. With a spear. With a spear. A or spear har- gun. A harpoon, rather. A harpoon. Hey, at least Torpedo uh, thought ahead. This is why I wrote Star Wars Ruined Us, oh. because oh, now okay. any any large object or, or base of some sort can be destroyed with one teeny tiny thing in just the right place. I also have a Star Wars reference, but it's the Star Wars pod racer scene through the canals. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Star Wars in this one, guys. Uh, oh, I wouldn't have gone with the pod racers. I was just gone with the Death Star. The Death Star trench scene. 
Yeah, I was also, thinking. Also, there's a bunch of Tie Fighter noises all through this. It did. It was very Star Warsy. But there's this one part, like where the shark, the singular shark. It's not a fleet. It's one shark is flying up to the city where all the gun emplacements are, mm-hmm. and he starts getting close. The people are like abandoning their posts and jumping out. He just flies mm-hmm. away without firing a bullet. It's like, ha ha, scared you, scared you, didn't I? <laughs> Maybe that one guy is very unpleasant. I, I sh- yeah, sure. And they were like, oh, we don't want to have to deal with that guy again. Ugh, once, he sur- once he surfaces, he's going to want to talk to us about his family. Just and- pretend we're not at home. <laughs> like, no, really, just jump into the water so we're not at home. And then when, when Torpedo blows it up, he says, it's going to make a great aquarium. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh. Not what? even the fish are talking. Or goldfish? I think he said goldfish. And, and then, like, what's the escape plan? Because this is a domed city with a huge, like, dome over the top of it, right? Mm-hmm. So why is the attack or the, uh, the escape plan helicopters? They had to rely on the fact that they would shoot a hole in the top of the thing through explosions to escape with the helicopters. That was their plan the entire time. They probably uh, were like, hey, what's the most complex but badass way to escape something? It's a dome. So should we go under under it? And Un- then one guy's the like, no, wait for it. Mm. Wait for it. Mm. Helicopters. Boom. Through the hole. Through the At hole the that we assume will be there. <laughs> I just, Cobra's really mailing this one in. I just, I want to put it out there. Cobra just, I maybe there's like, they just, they're, planning See, team took the day off that's why i feel like this is like an an early episode like one of the first episodes like let's lay out what it is cobra does they have a stupid complex huge plan to take over the world and it's got a, a like one real fatal flaw that gi joe figures out mm-hmm. and then everybody walks away happy and, and they refer to their own shark as a turbocharged pelican yep sounds terrifying yep. sounds like something gina would try to snuggle Sounds terrifying, actually, because if I was if I was lying on a beach and a turbocharged pelican started to dive bomb me, I would be scared. What if it was just sitting there, mm. just being all turbocharged? How would you know it's turbocharged? Oh, he's I got mean, little rockets on his feet. You could hear him going like, rocket feet. You could hear him just like, <laughs> he's charging up. <laughs> okay, that sound would terrify me. I'll go ahead and put that up there. <laughs> so we cut back to Cobra and. Cobra Commander makes maybe one of the most sober, like, real points he's ever made that I've ever heard. And that he asked the quest jesters, like, aren't you worried about them finding us? And he legitimately, intelligently says, how long can they search for us before all their fuel is gone? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That ties the whole thing in a little bow. It's like the one piece of clarity in this entire episode. (laughs) Um, I mean, he had to, at some point, have a good good idea just by... Sheer luck. Bro- broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> Cobra Commander puts it together for the first time. And he spends that entire scene worrying about his base being found. Hey, I have an idea, Cobra Commander. Maybe if you don't want your bases to keep getting found, stop putting giant Cobra snakehead temples on the tops of them. He should use the cloaking device to cloak that oh! instead of the fruit. I didn't even think of that. Why? <laughs> he can cloak submarines. Cloak your fucking base. Do you know why you didn't think of that, Ray? Please tell me, Chan. Because I made that very suggestion about 10 minutes ago. I just mansplained Chan. No, I did it again. Oh, yeah, you did. Shit. I said it. You thought it was brilliant. I'm the man in this relationship, Chan. <laughs> Chan says something. We all ignore it. And then I say it louder. And everyone in the room goes, hop, 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 hop. Good idea. Usually when Chan starts talking, I sort of just like Gina with this episode, five seconds in, I'm just like, yep. <laughs> but I would still use it I got it some too. checks mixed in. <laughs> 
You stop it. Stop with your mouth noises. Well, Chan, I apologize deeply for mansplaining what Gina said after you said I do not accept it because it's going to happen again. It's going to happen repeatedly. I I don't apologize. From now on, I'm just going to be more calculated about it. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end of this Cobra base getting destroyed, the, the, the home base, the HQ phones them in and they say, okay, Deep Six and Torpedo, did you find anything that we need for this big overarching mission? And they say, nope. Okay, well, that was a whole waste of time, wasn't it? I mean, they did blow up a base. But there's no point to the overall major plot. Like, this is the theme of this episode. And I argue that this episode is a Seinfeld episode where nothing, (laughs) it's just a show about nothing. They go and they do things and they say, hey, what did we learn? Nothing. But we get to meet Major Blood. Two words. Side quest. Mm. Just pure side quest? Yeah. But You you could skip it. If this was a video game, you'd be given the option to skip it. Mm-hmm. Mission complete. Sunk the base. <laughs> you get the XP. You move on to the main story mission. I think Major Blood is pretty cool. I think sna- Pit Full of Snakes is pretty cool. Uh, Indiana Jones was in theaters at this exact same time. <laughs> like Ripping off Star Wars isn't enough. We're also going to rip <laughs> off the Indiana Jones theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, any, anything Lucas related, we're just going to yeah. have at it. Snake it. And, oh, so we meet, at this point, Ace and um, Duke who are flying flying buddies. Ace is the young guy. Duke is the old guy. And apparently Ace's entire character revolves around him just making bad gambling puns. But they're not playing with a full deck. Ha-ha. Oh. Oh, I'll, I'll raise this this one. Ha-ha. Oh, yeah, I now I get it. I missed that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just him making nothing but bad, like, 80s gambling. Like, uh, you'd expect him to be, like, a, a late 30s guy with a fedora hat and, like, a pool hall. So he's the... Uh, Hustle in a game. Since since I feel like there's always characters that have uh, parallels in X-Men, he is the Gambit. 100% he'd be the Gambit, yeah. Except he can apparently fly a plane pretty good. That's And even his name, Ace. Like ace. an ace. Oh, yeah. And Goose. A deck of cards. Oh, oh I, went top, I went Top Gun. <laughs> Go Top Gun. That's fine. Ace and Goose? Yeah. Well, yeah. Duke even says, that's oh. why you're the ace. Ace? Yeah. Now I get it. Yeah, it, all, it, all, it all ties together if you... But, but is he that good of a pilot, though? Because he's able to pull out some cool maneuvers. He shakes off two planes and then crashes his plane anyway. What? No, he got shot down. Well, that's the same as crashing it. He's an ace. He's not supposed to get shot down. How many times did the Red Baron get shot down? Chan. The Red Baron? Yeah. You mean from Snoopy? Yes. Like a gajillion times. No, he always killed Snoopy, didn't he? <laughs> All right, those are the most boring sections of the holiday specials. <laughs> I usually get up to use the restroom when the Red Baron section comes on. <laughs> I can only apologize to our listeners. I am a fraud. <laughs> um, so yes, then we meet Major Blood, who now has the natives, because we didn't get enough racism with the uh, satellite down. They were testing things out during this period. They were, they were like, how much racism can we fit in here before the audience turns against us? I will say that somebody actually busted out a, uh, a newspaper or a dictionary because uh, they, uh, this tribe, the Yanomami, is a tribe in South America. Yes. Ex- oh. And that is a real tribe. We talked about this before we went on the air today. They're the Yanomami tribe. Uh, they're produced uh, was produced by anthrop- anthropologists on the basis of the word Yanomami, which is the expression Yanomami Thipe, which signifies human beings. It's a tribe that just refers to themselves as human beings. They also had some sweet cartoon butts. Hundred <laughs> percent. Except for the fact that's not what they were called in this episode. They were called the Yellow Mammos. So it's like they went for it, but they the, maybe maybe the, it was trademarked. Maybe yeah, the tribes can sue us. Issues. The yellow, as in the color yellow, the color yellow mammals. Yeah, 
M A M M O. Did I, I miss that? Did I miss uh, that? Do we have that clip of Major Blood saying the name of the tribe? Because I, I think because he he fucks it up too. Major Blood and makes meet me the Yano Mamo indigenous. He, it sounded like he said Yano Mamo. Yeah, I heard Yellow Mamo. Yano Mamo. And in the official, because uh, uh, I looked it up because I just wanted to know in the official like description for this episode, the official plot synopsis refers to them as the Yellow Mamos. Oh, it, I don't, it's a point of contention between us all, guys. Let's not let this rip if, us apart. If that's like the Wikipedia page, I think that whoever wrote it got it, heard it wrong. Oh, okay. Because yeah. it or sounded like nothing about anthropology. Yeah. Well, it I sounded don't. like Yano Mamo. You know what? Major Blood's accent fucks us all once again. <laughs> At least he's got the eye patch. Mm-hmm. So uh, they get all get captured by the natives and taken in. And I, I, I think Satellite Down might have been more racist than this one. I feel like at least some respect was paid to the tribe. Maybe. Am I wrong? I mean, these were actual humans that they were depicting. Yeah. And Whereas, they weren't seen as like dancing and like shouting, you know, nonsense words and like ag- painting their there faces. There was again. one moment where there was some ugga bugga going on. <laughs> I mean, and again, I definitely wrote that down. It could have been way worse. It could have been way worse. So <laughs> kudos to you, 1980s GI Joe. Like nobody was worshiping Coke bottles or anything. Yeah, but it was yeah trading for shiny objects. Mm-hmm. Episode nine, Cobra stops the world. It could have been worse. <laughs> no, Gina. the episode couldn't have been Although, worse. Although technically they were trading shiny objects because they were mining diamonds. For, oh, uh, that's true. In exchange for uh, uh, weapons, which, as we all know, is a very real concern currently <laughs> in Africa. That's, That's why they call them blood diamonds because yeah. they mine the diamonds and they sell them for weapons, which then they use to murder people and with. I'll and, just uh, go ahead and jump ahead because this episode doesn't doesn't really matter what order you do any of the scenes. Yeah. Uh, so Ace decides to uh, uh, Ace Ace decides to fake internal bleeding. Uh huh. So he can slow them. Like, what was the overall plan here? It's this is not a good one. Uh, uh, maybe maybe one. he thought they'd be like, oh, we can't <laughs> we can't. We can't kill an injured man. After what they did yeah. to Freedom in the previous episode, you oh, actually yeah. think that they would take pity on Ace? Don't remind me about that. <laughs> I've only now just gotten over it. <laughs> Maybe- Weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Major Blood takes him to a big old snake pit because uh-huh. we're ripping off Indiana Jones. These snakes sure. are way angrier and more active and more standing on their hind legsy. I mean, it is it is uh, South America versus Northern Africa, so there's a lot more, uh, yeah, muggier, more yeah. S- snaky well, weather. I just appreciate Major Blood's like, oh, are you hurt? Are you hurt? Oh my gosh, are you in pain? I'll throw you in the snake pit, and your pain will be over. Dun, dun, I dun. literally thought when when Major Blood when they turn the tables on him and throw him in the snake pit, my first thought was, oh my god, he's gonna hurt all those snakes if he lands on them. It's just gonna squish them. Yeah. But then, but then, luckily he. he the did only it. thing missing was Ace turning and looking at the pit and being like, "Why did it have to be snakes?" <laughs> <laughs> so bad. So he ends up escaping, and they throw Major Blood into the snake pit, but he doesn't really fall in and crush any snakes because Peta. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> and they 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 find this this place, and I, this this is so weird to me because apparently this is a backwards tribe. If I'm to take them at face value, uh-huh. it's a tribe of people who use bow and arrows, uh, with. I'll probably also flamethrowers. We learned that from Blowtorch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those yeah. flamethrowers that was and bow the first, and arrows. first weapon. And, and they're, ba- they're essentially like, a, a, pardon the expression, dumb tribesmen. Because mm-hmm. Cobra comes in, they give them laser pistols, they beat the neighboring tribe. And how is Cobra the first people to discover these folks? They have a diamond mine that is so rich with minerals, they are just coming out with bushels in their arms <laughs> of fully formed giant diamonds already cut. 
I mean, this is how the world works, man. I, I just can't believe there isn't some corporation that would have found these people and taken over the tribe before I mean, Cobra moved in. Well, no, Cor- Cobra's here, first on the scene and everything. Here's the thing. is uh, There's actually a, in, an enormous supply of diamonds currently available, and because De Beers uh, is uh, basically a uh, uh, monopoly, they're uh, keeping the supply limited so that they can sell them for more. They're choking it down yeah. to create so value. It yeah. seems uh, entirely possible that the, there's plenty of diamonds, because they're using it to power their cloaking device. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works, but I mean, I guess it's more <laughs> effective than, you know, uh, uh, fossil fuel. It's all, I mean, diamonds hey. are basically fossil fuel. <laughs> hey, what, De Beers. You heard that? We're calling you out. <laughs> Tweet us at Knowing is Half the Podcast if you got a problem with it, De Beers. Or if you'd like to sponsor us, we'll say <laughs> lovely things about your products every week. Fuck that. I am very unhappy that someday I may have to give someone a diamond ring when I very much am against. Hey, you the get one of those conflict th- free ones that they talk about on NPR all the time, man. Or, or you do what I did, and my wife, uh, she didn't want the diamond, so we got a citrine stone, which is an orange stone because it's her favorite color, and it was gotten fairly like cruelty free. Good. It works. You just find a different stone, Chan. It doesn't have to be a diamond. I mean, other stones have issues with I them mean, sometimes, too. What kind of gold digger do you think you're going to be ending up with? <laughs> I mean, probably about the 96% of women who <laughs> expect a diamond ring. Got to work it. Oh, somewhere in there, Sparks has a plan and then goes into a back room to work on it. Oh, okay, that's all we need to hear about that. Yeah, they keep uh, cutting back to uh, the two of those guys. I fr- Colonel Sharp and Sparks, and I'm just like, <sighs> don't care, don't care. Do your thing. Yeah, let's get to Scarlet. What are you... Are, are you yeah, you're just basically yelling nerd now because yeah. he's the he's the only one that can find them, and it's not a it's not an exciting business. He's not punching anybody. He's trying to uh, uh, create technology in 56 minutes, mind you, I, point, that doesn't exist. I point out again, though, that Cobra Commander's already like broadcast a picture of the island he's at and the temple. It shouldn't take just the entire world that long to figure out that it's in Patagonia. Yo, if you saw a picture of a base on an island. I Do you think you could find where the motherfucker is? No, I couldn't, but could somebody in Patagonia who also needs to use oil, like, recognize, oh, that's the craggy thing from two miles off the coast. I Somebody in the entire world would know what that place was. Guys, I can look up a place on Google Maps, see the exact address and pictures of it, and still not be able to find it. Thank you. Yes. So yes, let's get <laughs> yeah, to you, Scarlet. She wasn't, she wasn't supporting your, your no, no, claim no, at all. I, I took that as support. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, let's get to Scarlet, please, because we just found out that she's a master of disguise. (laughs) Oh, my God. The greatest disguise. (laughs) Zartan is jealous. I was like, yeah, like, what's going on? Has this been established already that she can do this? Not really. She's wearing, like, the rubber mask that Zartan used with an old lady. But she kept her uniform on, so her boots are visible the entire time. Mm -hmm. Because she sticks them in the door, and it's like, oh, she's just wearing, like, a trench coat over her normal outfit. I mean, I like that she is a super badass and takes out this whole room. But I also wonder what kind of bra she's wearing to keep them titties (laughs) feeling comfy, because they are huge. Yeah, she's got it. She's got a rack. And I was like, she's she got, she better be double bagging those bad boys. Sports bra double bagging because otherwise it's going to be uncomfortable when she starts to kick ass. She's got a lot of technology on her side. I imagine in addition to the extra support uh, from some sort of uh, rare earth metal, I imagine, to keep her boobs in check. Uh, she also has um, an anti-card table crossbow bolt. Yes. It seems like it's, oh, right. it's specifically designed... <laughs> For someone to throw a, a card table at her and for it to explode. Um, and, she, you know, like, but, it, 
she's got her, you know. She uh, gets tipped out to this Cobra house, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, they're just like, you got to go check this out. They have information. They know where the base is. It's some house in the suburbs. It's like a white picket fence. I mean, then, that's like, actually pretty smart. Yeah. Like eight dudes are living there, like Cobra guys. They don't seem to have any real mission, though. They're no. just sort of having dinner and yeah, hanging out. Yeah, there's a loaf of bread at some point. <laughs> they had, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, she, yeah, she also had an anti-dinner tray crossbow <laughs> bolt, which is rude. Uh, rude. Yeah, I would have let them finish their meal first. Props to the Cobra guy, though, who just walks in with his mask up over his mouth because he's holding the tray of food. Scarlet's like rips off. She goes full Zartan Thunder from down under, rips it off in like one go. And then he's just like, uh, throw the tray. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least he's thinking on his feet. I mean, I do like that he thought about sparing the food for a second, though. Mm-hmm. I got, but I'm hungry, but she's going to kick my ass. I mean, Maybe I can eat it quick. I'm going to say if that meal took more than 15 minutes to make, he should have set it down back in the kitchen and rejoined the fight. <laughs> so she, she proceeds to kick everybody's ass on the table. Yep. Yeah. Because and, she is hungry for information. And the one thing I learned, though, is because uh, uh, she falls down. She's standing on at this. Where does this trap door come in? Because she's standing on a rug that inexplicably the dude pulls the book out. She falls down into the pit where there aren't <laughs> spikes or even, you know, snakes would have probably been a smart thing to put mm-hmm. down there. Mm-hmm. And then the guy is just like, well, we're done here. <laughs> I will tell you a story about the time that I ran a ninjas and super spies campaign. Uh-oh. And my uh, character, I, I believe it was supposed to be an NPC, but I had uh, one of one of the things that I was fascinated by in the uh the source book was uh, a reverse firing pistol like it was a it was a booby trap thing so like if you shot the uh pistol like it would shoot out shoot you the, right in the face and and so i constructed in addition to this other these other uh scenarios for the uh characters i had one specifically for my npc character in which it was set up so that he could use that gun uh that very very specific gun because i was 12 years old and that's how I wrote stories. Sounds great. <laughs> uh, and what's changed? There is a twelve-year-old <laughs> writing this story. I was, yeah. was say. like, I've got, I've got, uh, she, I've got this girl who's got an awesome crossbow that has a winch on it. I need uh, some way to use it. How about she stands on the one rectangular rug in the middle of this uh, uh, the corner safe of the house room for no good reason? That it turns out to be a trapdoor. But then, like, she, she, the guy comes over is like, oh, guess this battle's over, looks down the pit, sees the bolt come up with yep. the string attached. He's like, huh. Sees <laughs> her come up from it. He's like, it's still yeah, strange. Yeah, yep. Okay, cool. And then it's like, they just sort of stare at each other for like a good three seconds, and she's like, okay. Just kicks him right in the face, at which point I, I, had, to, I had to write this down because he trips backwards and falls, and a vase crashes over his head. I'm appreciative of the fact that the Cobras here not only have plants, because dudes don't normally keep plants, mm-hmm. they keep them well-maintained and watered. Mm-hmm. I'm actually assuming that who, there were other residents of this house, and Cobra killed them. Oh, no. And moved in. Why and, when they could just buy a house? I mean, you can buy a house, but then you have to furnish it. It's not lived in. It's got that new house smell. But if you go to a house and kill the current occupants... Wouldn't then it smell worse? <laughs> No, you don't leave them in there. You bury them under the gazebo. No, Everyone you, knows that. You throw them under the rug. In that <laughs> trap door. That that's trap what it was for. Was. Okay, that makes that's sense legit. I'm just yep. saying, don't give Cobra too many, too much decorating credit. I think that they killed the inhabitants. I <laughs> believe that Cobra loves their plants. I'll go ahead and say that. And then leading back to my initial point, they Scarlet takes it all out. and just, The guy says, I don't know anything. She's like, I believe you. Crack. Calls HQ. 
Scarlet, what'd you find out? Where's the base? She's like, well, they don't have any information here. Who is giving them this information? I think somebody's I think somebody's working like a side con here that they need these particular installations taken out so they can fill the void somewhere. I'm telling you, this goes back to my theory that Storm Shadow is trying <laughs> to... It's all Storm Shadow. working from the inside. He's <laughs> leaking information to the Joes. I'm just saying. It works for me. So Cobras decides to start blowing up the tankers. And this is where I'm still having trouble with the narrative because if you've destroyed 90% of the oil in the world, Mm. leaving the 10% you now have control over, Mm -hmm. why not keep the oil for yourself so you could power your machines and your opponents could not? Well, here's what I – and again, why it feels like a first episode because so many of their uh, plots appear to be – Let's send the Earth back into the Stone Age. Sure. And we'll somehow oh, yeah. have a leg up. Uh, very, I mean, like, not even a great leg up, but just a little bit of a mm-hmm, leg up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand why they're all just about destroying. No. Yeah. Civilization. It's not like way. if they had a plan where they had an alternate fuel source mm-hmm. that now mm-hmm. you'd be forced to get all your, na- your world's fuel from Cobra. Right. That would make sense. Yeah. Uh, if if they had even that to the point of not even selling it to them, but they had to power their own machines, it kind of makes sense in that way as well. I I don't think Cobra. I think Cobra Commander's mailing this one in. I think that they're. I think that uh, that's the second time you've used the you've used the phrase mailing this one in. Yeah. I know it as phoning this one in. Interesting. Is mailing an for, older version. For old people. <laughs> phoning it in. Gina, I'm considerably <laughs> older than you. <laughs> You're like, they, they were really sending a message by Ray. carrier pigeon in. Ray, I'm older than you, and I've never used mailing it in. <laughs> I, I thought that you did wood carving it in. No? That's not the, the transition. But m- m- the Whittling point, it in. The point that I was going to make is that I feel like Cobra right now is like the bully that doesn't know why he's angry. Yeah. And is just like, I'm going to just cause as much havoc as I can. But well, then as that bully yeah. gets older and he really forms like his hardened shell, he's like, all right, I need to maximize destruction. And this is young Cobra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is growing Cobra. Feeling yeah. its oats, you know. Doesn't know why it's doing the things it does. It just knows it wants to... Do them. Slashing out. Yeah. yeah. We cut back to uh, Sparks working on his machine, mm-hmm. and it explodes. It's apparently very temperamental. Yeah. What is he building that's going to explode with that? Don't pack dynamite in your <laughs> tracking device, Sparks. And then his boss calls him and is like, hey, how's it going? He's like, shut the fuck up. I'm working. <laughs> and then rolls up his already short sleeves. Back to the place they were initially. It just seems to me like he's trying to overclock some sort of uh, uh, computer so that uh, it can... Go through a bunch of iterations to try and track down uh, a location and whatnot like that. And obviously, the chips are overheating. You know, you get some short-circuiting. So it's like an Xbox 360 Red Ring of Death issue is what we're having happen here. Except it explodes violently. Yeah, like you do. Like you do. Yeah. Um, So cut back to Duke in the desert, or the desert, in uh, South America. Duke turns to Ace and he says, go easy on the natives. I wrote this down as well. They don't know what they're doing, even if they know what they're doing. And then proceeds to kick their ass. Beats the fuck out of them. The first guy he punches so hard that there is a string of drool. If you go back and watch the animation, (laughs) immediately after saying, go easy on them, he punches a guy in in the face and then a drool blob blows out of this native's face so hard, and then he kicks the next guy in the sternum. <laughs> he kicks him. He straight 300s him. And then and then he's like, all right, rest. Rest now, guys. <laughs> no, I wish that was what he did. He was like, right, easy. See? Go easy on them. In other words, don't like cripple them or kill them, but everything else is fair game. <laughs> everything else, your world, brother. <laughs> Beat the hell out of these guys. 
And then uh, there's some craziness that happens. They fight on this airfield. And then Duke grabs an airplane and straights out goes like 9-11 into the mine. Oh, yeah. Like rolls the plane yeah. straight into it, creating the most massive set of explosions ever. He needs to get his timing just right, which apparently <laughs> involves... He's known for? Yeah, like an explosion arcing to uh, well, a, another jet, and then that arcs to another jet, and then somehow... Going back uh, to Missing Story, he needs to get his timing right. He had some problems with Scarlet uh, before this. Oh. Uh, didn't get his timing right, uh-huh. and she uh-huh. left very unhappy. Yeah. So he's referencing that, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Is that why he said eat hot knuckles? Because <laughs> he didn't he couldn't get her off nor was it like, how about if I just, just rub one out for you? Like, yeah, we call that hot knuckles. Yeah. You guys yeah. don't call yeah. that eat hot knuckles. You want a hot moose knuckle sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even know. So all of a sudden finally we cut back to Scar Sparks again. Oh shit, it works. His cobra's intermittently just blowing him up every hour. We've tracked it to Patagonia, of course. This part's very exciting because we're almost done with this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Requisite fight scene happens, and I absolutely, I don't know if you got this queued up, can, can, Chan, uh, I love the music that just like, because what happens is it's the, right before we go to commercial break, like peril music that starts the fight of, and there's like a pause, like the DJ changes the track, and all of a sudden it's just like, and it's like super jaunty and exciting, and it's like, it goes, but it's all in the same battle, like, like, they're not even trying to match the music up to what's happening behind it anymore. I did notice the music changing in weird places. Awesome, this one. <laughs> it's super jaunty. I was like, yeah, let's murder everybody. Let's do this, everybody. And it's just it's just super jaunty. It felt like Guile's theme from Street Fighter Two. That's just on loop. Am I the only one that wishes that we could watch these with the original '80s commercials in them? A hundred percent of the Because I feel like that would be more entertaining than this particular episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, '80s commercials are entertaining. Oh in yeah, itself, like uh, as a high quality. Oh yeah. So yeah, we have the fight scene happens. We get some nonsense happens where Lady, uh, Lady J Scarlet gets blown out of her uh, area. Oh, they all look the same to you, do they? All women look the same to me, Gina. <laughs> uh, and so the, the guys are shooting at her, and they're just like, don't bother shooting. That rattler's going to take care of her. You could keep shooting. You could probably just keep, you know, make sure. Double tap. This is the only mm-hmm. time that they, they just had a talk from their accountant who was like, hey, <laughs> listen, you've, you've like wrecked many buildings at this point, and, and helicopters, aircraft carriers, huge buildings, and... Ah, just conserve where you can. And then they were like, oh, remember what Stan told us, guys. Remember what Stan <laughs> told us. Stop shooting. Just let the Rattler get it. Got a Rattler out there. It's fine. <laughs> We're good. Uh, so they, they get overrun quickly. And then there's a great moment because we established the rules of the G.I. Joe universe in episode one. Everyone can hear what everyone else <laughs> is saying. So Destro and Cobra Commander are having a full conversation in the control room. And then Duke and them are taking an elevator up and can hear every word <laughs> because the doors open up and he just continues the conversation back up, immediately. Back up, back up. You want to play Back that? up, back up. What am I missing, Chan? Scarlet is super excited to see Duke. Oh, she's raping him she on the battlefield. She runs up and hugs Duke. If we recall last episode, there was an embrace between Flint and Lady J. Uh-huh. And they were very pleased to see each other. They embraced. Uh, Scarlet hugs Duke. Duke does not hug her back. Oh, I didn't notice Those that. Oh, I didn't notice that down. either. She's hugging all over him, and he's like, mm-hmm, thanks, bitch. 
<laughs> we got some stuff hey, to do. Duke's working. I didn't notice that. It's in the middle of a battle here. Lady, come on. <laughs> I'm just, I, I, I'm very disappointed in you, Gina. I mean, like she I said, checked I checked out. out 20 minutes before I that checked happened. out ten seconds into this episode. <laughs> I, I no, I like the the amount of time you spend thinking about hugging. <laughs> I gotta think. That, Fair point. I mean, mostly it's animals, yes, but still, people they hug too. Now, had an animal tried to hug Duke and he did that, you would have been all oh over. Oh my god! Oh yeah, like he, how I, I dare you not blacklisted return. him from every other few de- from mentioning him. <laughs> He's, he is dead to me. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we, we have the moment inside the final control room where they like blow shit up and they take the control and he stomps on the button that actually detonates everything, which I thought was a little weird. That is weird. He breaks yeah. the device You're that way. You're a super way. special detonator. The one that, you mean the one that sets off the explosives, right? Yeah. That's like a normal detonator. Yeah. Right. <laughs> super special. So... And by the way, it runs on diamonds. <laughs> Makes sense to me, guys. Seems... We don't really fully understand diamonds yet. Legit. <laughs> Uh, and so an actual cool animation shot happens towards the end of this when uh, we look in Cobra Commander's mask and we can see Duke telling him to surrender through the mask mm-hmm. before all the poison gas comes out. I'm like, okay, there's an animator who's looking for a promotion. That mm-hmm. one dude in like Korea or wherever they farmed it off to, one dude gives a shit on this entire team <laughs> and he's going to prove it with this artsy shot right here. Two weeks later, that man killed himself. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he came to terms with the crap he was working on. He, he, he realized that the, his greatest moment happened in this episode <laughs> and realized no one would ever see it again. Uh-huh. Uh, take it off the streaming device. No one, no one can hear his moment. Uh, let's see here. And so, yeah, the escape, of course, the poison gas or whatever gets out. And then, and then just going to the Seinfeld-esque nothing happens in this episode is Duke's like, oh, fuck, we failed. And Scarlet's like, no, we didn't. You're okay. No. Oh. You're okay. That's good enough for me. As long as we end this and you, you know, had you stayed home, you would have been okay too, Scarlett. Like, <laughs> She's trying to make him feel better. And, and I, I, did, I just left over the point. Cobra Commander says, well, they're not biting at our demands. Oh, fuck it. Blow up, blow up everything. <laughs> blow up all the oil in the world. Whatever. I don't even worry about repercussions. We, we tried. Let's move on to our eh, next plan. Man, we got a burger chain to, <laughs> to take over next week. Uh, so this episode was a big Bechdel test fail. Oh. Scarlett and what a no shock. one else. No one else. Uh, can, w- wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Does nobody care that they're flying a plane to a <laughs> date? No. That's normal. I mean, if you are on G.I. Joe, Team G.I. Joe. If you're on G.I. Joe and you just averted a disaster where almost all of the world's oil uh, or refined but gasoline. You have to get your fun when you can, Chan, because the next disaster is but, right, right around right, the corner. Right. But how about you use you conserve a little bit of what's left after they destroyed all their capacity listen, for refining? Listen, these people put their lives on the line every week, every Sunday morning in 1980s. Well, so they could take a car, take a goddamn <laughs> no, Ferrari. No, they, they're flying they, a jet. They go with the perks of the job, Chan. There are very few perks and a lot of danger. They're going for the perks. Can I just go ahead and read the subtext of this scene? Duke is flying the plane back to base with Scarlet. And he's like, well, got to get back to base. We're in a jet. You know, got to do this thing. And Scarlet's like, or we could go fuck. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to find a parking space for my jet. <laughs> 
The where do you park a jet? Where are you want circling. to have your G.I. Joe? You can't, you can't valet that shit. You, he went right into that Trader Joe's parking lot. Yeah, we already established that G.I. Joe can park skyscrapers basically just by landing them straight into the ground. I'm just saying. Um, I do have one thing, well, one thing here about, about this episode that, Chan, I think you might find interesting. Mm-hmm. I did a little bit of research. This episode was written by a man, and see if you recognize the comic book name. It was written by Steve Gerber. Of Gerber Baby fame? Of Gerber Babies. <laughs> Steve Gerber is the man who invented Howard the Duck. Oh. And he also invented Thundar the Barbarian, later for Hanna-Barbera. My goodness. For some reason, a guy who clearly can do some shit, a man who can do writing, to mm-hmm. a point at least, because he invented a kind of iconic character, mm-hmm. could not do anything with G.I. Joe whatsoever. I'm just wondering if he sort of like walked into the room and he's just like, ah, oh, the fuck this shit, I don't know. Again, I'm going to go back to, this was an early draft, they went to a couple people they knew uh, could do stuff. And they're just like, yeah, give us something like military, and somebody's trying to take over the world. Here are the characters. Like, all right, I'll put something together. Like, he has the point of it, and they're like, nothing. There's really no point to it. He's like, good, I'm going to make a show about nothing. <laughs> You're welcome, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld. I thought it was Jerry Garcia. See, that's why I had to specify. You know. <laughs> uh, but that, that was my big point about that right there. So we'll rock on, uh, mm-hmm. guys. I think we, we can... We got through Thankfully it. Thankfully, put this one to prayer. <laughs> I pray to God. I haven't seen episode 10 yet. Uh, I, I would convert just to pray to God that episode 10 is better than it's, episode it's 9. It's got to be better than this one. <sighs> it has to be, right? Like, there's no yeah. way. We went from the most racist one, maybe, to this one, which is I completely mean, pointless. Unless people finally getting what I feel like every episode? <laughs> this is the one that even, even threw me under the bus. Unless it physically gives me a seizure. <laughs> While I watch it, I will Guys. consider the next episode more successful. And, and even if it's not, coming up in, I think, episode 12 or 13. I don't know, I actually written down. I don't know why I'm pointing at this. Uh, episode 12 or 13 is my absolute favorite episode of G.I. Joe ever. When I was a kid, it was the one I would always freak out and squeal like a pig. When it may be a bad analogy. Uh, when it would come on, uh, the Games Master episode. But that's coming up in a few. Oh. And it's wonderful. And we and Chan will hate it. So Just for the record. Stay tuned for that, guys. Stay tuned for that one. So anyway, guys, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out at Facebook.com slash Knowing is Half the Podcast. I am Ray Stacanis. Robert Chan. Gina Abelita. And uh, good night, everybody. Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, Give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. Or, I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world, working actors, comedians, writers, stunt people. You get it. And we do it all over breakfast, or should I say, breakfast. Every week is a new episode of Breakfast, and here's what you get. 
Inside Hollywood info like, how cool is it to act with Ed O'Neill? Spoiler alert, it's really cool. And what the heck is a gaffer? You get great breakfast wrecks and foodie debates like, when should you go hash browns and when do you go home fries? I know the answer to that. Trust me, my pancake posse, my bacon brigade. Listen up, because breakfast is the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in, it's breakfast time. Breakfast with Brent Pope, available at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thank you.